Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, 
vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert in the great state of Arizona, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on Gab, Gitter, and Twitter at TST double underscore radio, and on Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info, has all of our books, our sponsor, Pro One Water Filters, the affiliate program we have with them, and our Patreon page. You can also find the free show archive on the website. It has links and RSS feed, and it has a little player that you can scroll through to play whatever episode you'd like to play. If you're listening to this show on a radio or podcast player, please leave us a review. Let other people know what you think of the show. It's really simple, really easy, really fast. Please leave us a review if you're listening on one of those players. And if you'd like to get rid of the monetized advertisements, I know those can be annoying. Please subscribe to our full show archive to get rid of those. You'll also get access to the montages and you'll get digital copies of all of my books. Yearly subscribers get a physical copy of one of those books as well, and you'll get early access to the show when the show is pre-recorded, www.thesecretteachings.info. For those of you who missed last night's show and might be interested in learning the story behind Heather Wade and Art Bell and the story behind the L&M Radio Network, we had Michael Vera on the show to talk about what happened with L&M, what happened with Heather Wade, all that drama behind the scenes And I'm sure for many of you, I know for sure a lot of you uh, who messaged me or some of the comments I read, people enjoyed last night's broadcast, so I appreciate that. But for those of you who didn't hear it or you only heard a part of it, it's a really, really good show. And despite the fact that Michael and I have had, you know, issues in the past, I think we were both big enough to get over that. Michael even apologized on air last night toward the end of the show. And I had a I had a really good time talking to Michael. So we might even have him back on at some point. You missed that show, The Untold Story of L&M, 15 years on air, finally shut down a few years ago. You can find it in our archive at thesecretteachings.info. I'll also put it up in the slider bar at the top of the page. So even if you're not a subscriber, you'll be able to download the show, L&M, The Untold Story, share it with your friends, email it out to people, share it on social media. You'll be able to do that, and there won't be any monetized ads in it. So it's for random, you know, advertisements for things. You'll still get the studio breaks, but other than that, you won't have to listen to like McDonald's ads or whatever. I don't, I don't really, whatever they throw in there is what they throw in there through Spreaker. I, I can't really control the ads. So that is going to be on the website. And also yesterday, earlier in the day, I had an opportunity to go on Stephen Cambion's show. That is on YouTube. If you type in Stephen Cambion or Truth Seekers, there's also a link to it in my guest page on our website. I have a little guest tab for all my guest appearances. You'll see the link there for Stephen Cambion's show, May 3rd, 2022. Today is May 4th, 2022. And uh, we will probably, before the week is over, we'll probably play some of that show because 
So I think Steven's really funny. And when we get together and we talk about David Wilcock and his new con video, where he's telling people that he has telekinetic powers now, and you can have them too if you believe what he says. And he says Donald Trump got a hole-in-one playing golf because he used telekinesis. I heard that, and I was just like, I, I want to physically, physically take the money out of his pocket and give it back to the people who gave him money. I, I just can't believe people are so stupid. They will give this guy money. He's got telekinetic. He has a telekinetic telep, uh, telepathic source now. Somebody's giving him information <laughs> through telepathy or t- telekinesis, which is the moving of objects. What? what I, I, how, why do people support? I just don't understand it. I don't get it. So we'll probably talk about that before the week's up because I, I always tell myself I'm going to wait. I'm not going to discuss it. I'm not going to talk about it. And then he does another video like that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, are you kidding me? I can't. <laughs> Where do you come up with this, this crap? You watching? I think he, he just watches sci-fi all day, I think is what happens. Well, here on The Secret Teachings, we don't just you know watch sci-fi. I like to read a lot of um, books. I like to read a lot of things that are about you know archetypes and, and myths and symbols. And a couple of days ago, we did a show on abortion. And that show on abortion was, as you could imagine, any show on abortion would be, was very, very controversial, very highly controversial. The name of that show, if you by some chance missed it, was Bloody Good Friday. Abortion of these proceeds go to Satan. It was on the 15th of April, and we told you on that show that the Supreme Court was probably going to overturn Roe versus Wade or overturn part of Roe versus Wade. And now with a leaked opinion from the Supreme Court, and we have a linked version of that leaked opinion on our website under the top news page at thesecretteachings.info if you want to read the, the draft opinion. And that opinion basically says the Supreme Court is probably going to vote to overturn Roe versus Wade, and that makes people very, very upset. And you know, I, I also had two people email me, and I want to be very, very clear about my intentions in bringing these two emails up. I got an email from Tom. I won't mention his last name, and I got an email from, and we'll just use the, the email, Brightlight. So Tom and Brightlight both emailed me, and they were a little bit upset about the show I did on 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 blood. I did a show on blood and blood sacrifice uh, a few days ago, and that was about the Megan Fox Machine Gun Kelly story. It was called Holy Blood, Holy Hell. It was on the 29th. That's in our archive as well, of course. And I said that if you're drinking your blood or you're drinking you know, your, your partner's blood and it's a sexual fetish thing, personally, I, I might not understand it or I might not find it, you know, find it to be kosher, if you will. I just, I, it, it feels gross to me. But if you're going to do that, you know, you have a right to do that in your bedroom and it's not my place. It's not anybody else's place no matter how righteous somebody is to tell you that you can't do that. If you, if you want to you cut yourself open and drink, drink your blood or drink somebody else's blood, I mean, sounds kind of dangerous, but I guess go for it. I, I don't care is my point. But I said that if Megan Fox 
And there's more, there's more of these celebrities in Hollywood than just Megan Fox. There's a lot of people that, I mean, we've, we talked about the, uh, the, this high level, uh, high profile dominatrix in Hollywood. And she said that a lot of these Hollywood people, cause she works with them, they have cannibal fetishes. So they have flesh fetishes. So they, they literally want to eat people. <laughs> they want to eat people. And I mean, that's evident when you watch American Horror Story. It's evident when you see those shows with Drew Barrymore, whose family's very, you know, very uh, much like royalty in Hollywood, uh, where she's like, she has to, you know, she's basically a vampire or she's cannibal. She has to like drink blood and eat organs. And so, I mean, you see this a lot in Hollywood and that translates into, well, real life. I mean, we would say real life translates into the movies, but the, the movies and the TV shows, they translate into real life. I mean, these people literally have fetishes of, of eating flesh and they have fetishes of drinking blood, but it's not even a sexual thing because Megan Fox, and I don't want to bore you with the audio again, but Megan Fox had said that she does it as part of a ritual, not as part of some sexual fantasy or some sexual fetish. So as much as I don't care what you do in your bedroom, I mean, if that's your fetish, but to say that you do it for ritual purposes, you know, people that actually do those kinds of things don't go brag about it to Glamour magazine. The people that actually commit murder or they 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 find blood or they however they get access to the body and blood, people that do those kinds of things don't brag about it and they don't talk about it with a voice fry. And they're like, yeah, we, we drink each other's blood. And it's like, it's not a goblet, but we drink drops of each other's blood. And he, he'll just cut his chest open and drink, have me drink it. Or like, he's like, can I bleed on you? Like, take my soul. These people are so messed up in the head. And maybe that's why some listeners who listen to this show feel that, that I'm a Christian. Some people feel that I'm a Christian. Maybe it's because I, I don't think that children should be taught about sex in kindergarten, and I don't think children should be taught about gay sex. Furthermore, in kindergarten, I don't think that um, you know. I don't think that a lot of these Satanists who want to have after-school Satan clubs. I don't think that they're they're honest or legitimate. Because once again, I've I've met plenty of Satanists in my life, and very very few of these Satanists, first of all, are level-headed, but second of all, the ones that are. I've never talked to a, to a Satanist who honestly wanted to project their beliefs on somebody else. You know, contrary to Christians, I've just, I've never met a, a Satanist who's done, that's circumstantial, of course, but I've never met a Satanist who, who, who wants to do that kind of thing. They just, most Satanists that I've known, they, they like the pentagram and they read Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible and they just keep to themselves. It, it's like, it's like real Nazis nowadays. Real Nazis are just people that, well, by name, you know, real Nazis, that just people that shoot up with heroin and live in their mom's basement. Okay, that they're not, they're not the Nazis from the movies. The Nazis from the movies are Antifa. The Nazis from the movies are all these these progressive leftist groups. Those are the real Nazis. Okay, the ones that think they're Nazis are shooting up with heroin and eating cheese puffs in their grandma or their mom's basement. All right, that that's what a Nazi is. And it's the same thing with, with a Satanist. That's Satanism and, and, and Nazism. They, you know, modern Nazism, they kind of mix and mash together. So do atheists and communists. They kind of mix and mash together. In fact, communist states say that 
you can't have religion because nothing can be higher than the state. So maybe that's why people think I'm Christian, because I, I do take a hard stance. I'm 100% anti-communist. I, I spit on Marxism. I don't like children learning about how to have anal sex in school. And I do agree with Christians. There absolutely is a, quote, war. We, of course, would have to define that. But there's a war on Christian values. But I think Christians are a little bit uptight, and they don't recognize that Christian values are also the values of countless other, not only religions, but just common people. Family, hard work, responsibility. That's not something that belongs to the Republican Party. It's not something that belongs to the Christian church. I mean, this is predominantly what provides us with the foundation for modern society. Hard work, responsibility, taking responsibility, family, some kind of structure. I mean, that you call it Christian, but that's, that's what gives us the modern world. That's what gives us a world where we have so much abundance. That's what gives us a world where... We have we, we don't we have so much food we don't know what to do with it. I mean, we 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 have a, a safer world today than we've had probably at any point throughout human history, despite what the media tells you. So, yeah, I I I I see those things, but that doesn't make me a Christian. And I I brought it up a few times because I just think it's funny. I've had two people in the last few weeks cancel their subscriptions. One person said it was because I wasn't a Christian. The other person said it was because I was a Christian. And I don't know how anybody can listen to the same show. One person hears, oh, that's Christian material. I don't want to listen to it. And the other person hears, well, that's not Christian. Why doesn't he have Jesus? And and then they, they cancel their subscription. Now, both of these people who did that were very nice, but I, I just, I don't understand it. I don't get how, and it, it, it irritates me because I don't understand it. I, I want to truly understand it. I just don't get how that works. And so I had two people, I mentioned them, Tom, and then this, this other email, we'll, just, we'll call them uh, uh, Bright Light, uh, emailed me. And they were both emailing me in regard to the blood show that we did about, wasn't just about Megan Fox, but it was about cannibalism and blood sacrifice and a number of other things. So I wanted to briefly read you what these two listeners said. The first listener said that they've been to a thousand churches or thousands of churches, and um, by the way, so have I. And they said they've been going their entire life and they've never seen anybody cut themselves open and drink their blood. Well, if that's your actual argument, Tom, I mean, that's a little bit of a fallacy. I've been to plenty of churches too. Of course, nobody cuts themselves open and drinks their blood or somebody else's blood. But um, I, don't, I don't know if Tom was trying to be sarcastic there. But he said the wine and blood represent the body and blood of Christ but they are absolutely and unequivocally not actual blood and actual flesh. I mean, obviously, yes, they're not actual blood and actual flesh, except for that part where the pastor, at least in my Baptist church, would tell us that this is the body of Christ and this is the blood of Christ and you drink them for atonement and you know other things people do communion for. So Tom says, from the first time at the Last Supper when Christ himself until now, they have never been real flesh or real blood. He didn't cut a chunk of his flesh and pour a cup of his blood. He was making an illustration using wine and bread. So, yeah, I agree with Tom. He, he was using an illustration, but that's primarily what the Bible is. It's an illustration. It's a metaphor. It's symbolic. It doesn't mean things in the Bible didn't happen, but it's predominantly a symbolic text. 
And that doesn't mean that, you know, I hate Christians and I hate the Bible. It just means that the Bible is a mostly symbolic text. And the time period in which many of these these things were written, the, the wording, and of course, you know, because of translations and because certain things weren't considered to be appropriate for the Bible, they were kept out. So we lose context to other things. There, there are so many different elements that we have to understand that in, 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 a, in a time period in which, you know, there weren't planes in the sky to see something in the sky. Well, they related it, for example, to something they knew, like a shield, right? It's a flaming shield or a flaming chariot. So this, for some people, you know, becomes the whole ancient alien thing. For, for other people, it becomes, you know, these are, these are the gods. For other people, it's just natural phenomena that our ancestors didn't understand because they, they weren't practicing science like we do today. So there's, there's different angles. There's so many perspectives on this. But I, I get it. It was an illustration. I mean, that was kind of my point on the show. It was a, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. So he says, your show and another show, my, my two favorite shows, and I'd never stop listening because of something you say. But come on, really? A bunch of question marks. And so at least Tom is still listening. And I hope, Tom, I hope you're listening tonight. I, this isn't a, an, an attack on you. This isn't some kind of um, vindictive uh, commentary. But um, yeah, clearly, Tom finishes his email by saying they, Megan Fox and, and, and her husband or whatever he is, they cut their own flesh and drink their own blood. It's not wine and bread. I mean, obviously, yes, that they that that's not the same as going to church and having a you know a communion. But maybe my point wasn't clear enough. My point was blood is the life force. So blood is the 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 essence, the 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 foundation. It is the 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 cornerstone. It's the heart, it's the soul of, of the body. And as an extension of God, maybe that's why people think I'm a Christian, I say God. So as an extension of God, as an extension of source, the blood belongs to God because the blood is the life force and God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and we have, we have life as we know it. But that story of Adam and Eve is also you know a metaphor. So, which is funny, I love how people that are, that are Christian are like, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. It's like, well, it's not really Adam and Eve either. It's, 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 it's a metaphor. It's not Adam and Eve. It's not Adam and Steve. I want to start that. It's not Adam and Steve. It's Adam and, it's not Adam and Steve. It's not Adam and Eve. There's, there's no Adam and Eve and there's no Adam and Steve. Okay. There's, it, there's a story and it conveys a deeper meaning and it, it doesn't have anything to do with, with two physical people. And, you know, I, I, even that Adam and Steve thing. Yeah, that's asinine because Adam and Eve are the masculine and feminine. And that is the purpose of the Adam and Eve story, the masculine and feminine. And that's a story you can find in most religions in some capacity. You can find their most spiritual practices in some capacity. So it has nothing to do with transvestites. And it has nothing. That's another thing. People like, oh, hermaphrodites like um, Baphomet. I mean, that shows that Christians and others that they, they know all about trans and people and they they should accept trans people. It's like what are, what the hell are you talking about? That has nothing to do with it. You know, God is an is a is a being that is it's not male or female. It's a source of energy, which like blood. Blood is a source of energy. So when you have Marina Abramovic, for example, and she mixes together the blood, the semen, and the breast milk, which is a variation of Crowley's cake of light ceremony. 
you know, I don't think rituals are evil. I think that woman's evil. So if you're mixing together blood, what, what, what is the purpose of mixing blood together with semen and, and, and milk? Well, I said on the blood show we did about Megan Fox is that the blood is the life force, the semen is the life seed, and the milk is the nurturing substance. So if you mix them together, you basically have the ingredients to create a, a new life. But it's obviously an abomination because it's not, it's not organic. It's, it's something you've drawn artificially into this world. You've breathed life into it, into a homunculus or some other abomination of nature by using the seed to plant the seed of life, and then you put the blood into the seed, and then you nurture it with the breast milk. It's creating an abomination. And yeah, sure, the use of blood in that capacity is is different than uh, communion. And it's also, you know, to be fair, different than what Megan Fox does for ritual purposes. Obviously, people that actually do that stuff don't don't brag about it, but... So we got the idea of blood here. I want to go to what this other email says from a bright light. It says the blood sacrifices where a mortal sacrifices either part or all of their self to honor, glorify, or petition an entity, an entity, usually malevolent. Jesus, the deity, sacrificed himself to restore and redeem the life of mankind. They're the opposite things. Taking communion is like saying grace before a meal. It gives thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice Jesus made, not sacrificing yourself to please a bloodthirsty deity. Well, yeah, those two things would be completely different. I agree. However, a blood sacrifice is not only when a mortal sacrifices part or all of their self to honor, glorify, or petition an entity, usually malevolent. Uh, a blood sacrifice is a lot of different kinds of sacrifice. I mean, we even metaphorically refer to someone who, you know, sheds a lot of sweat in building something or, or, or accomplishing something. That's considered a blood sacrifice. You've given your life force to something. That is a blood sacrifice, even if blood is not spilt. So if you look into the Bible, I mean, if that's really the, the argument, a blood sacrifice is a mortal sacrificing part of their self to honor you know, some deity. Uh, the point is, a blood sacrifice is more commonly the sacrifice of an animal. And a human sacrifice, much like an animal sacrifice, doesn't have to be a physical human or a physical animal. It has to do with the animal self, the animal nature, and the mundane self. Once those are sacrificed in terms of overcoming the you know emotions that are uncontrollable and and, and things that we do that, that make us very physically human, we can attain more godlike qualities. That's it's the philosophy, it's the metaphor, it's it's the alchemy. There's a lot of stuff going on here. And I want to take those two emails and uh, the subject of abortion tonight and I want I want to go deeper into this subject and really talk about that blood and what that blood represents tonight on the broadcast. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this, so don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss the show. rdgable at yahoo.com, TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter. We'll be right back. You are hearing the sound between that which is above and that which is below. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Search the name and start listening today for free. But if you want to avoid those annoying ads, head on over to thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to the ad-free archive. It's got old shows, new shows, and you can also download Ryan's digital books. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? The end of the world? 
If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of my research in your hands, visit our website and grab physical and digital copies of my books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, theology, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. And food philosophy might just change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Remember, shipping is always included with the books. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and get your copy today. The Secret Teachings is now on Gab and Getter. Search Ryan Gable on both to find the show or stick with The Secret Teachings in the Metaverse. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Do you have everything you need to explore The Secret Teachings? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. Looks like SpongeBob's ready. Are you? Hey, this is John Peasy at JohnPeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teaching. This is David Icke from DavidIcke.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. I could very, very easily shy away from controversial subjects because I could look at the social media feed and I could look at downloads for my show and I could look at emails I receive and just think, okay, some people were offended by that. I don't want to discuss that again. But when you get people that interact with you, controversial or not, and you get people that are respectful. A couple of emails I got last night and a few days ago People that, that kind of disagree with me, but they uh, they were respectful about it, and I, I can appreciate that, and I can respect that. Those emails were about uh, our commentary on, on blood sacrifice the other day. We talked about Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, but we also talked about a lot of others, Marina Abramovic, Ju- Julia Fox, uh, another actress, uh, people like uh, one of the Kardashians, uh, Angelina Jolie, a lot of people in Hollywood, Drew Barrymore, a lot of people in Hollywood very obsessed with blood and even obsessed with flesh. That seems to be a fetish in Hollywood, a flesh fetish, I call it, or what they refer to in the, uh, the kink community as uh, a cannibalism fetish. So that's a big thing in Hollywood. It clearly translates into TV shows and movies. And if you look at it through the lens of someone who is religious, 
they would obviously see that as dark and evil. But I said, hold on a second. You have to be careful that you're not a hypocrite, which is unfortunately a stereotype of Christians in particular, because, well, Christians practice communion. Now, let's just get a basic definition of what that communion is. Let's just go to the internet, type in communion. Let's get a definition. Let's see what communion is based on a a Google definition. Communion is the service of Christian worship at which bread and wine are consecrated and shared. Now, let's open up the Apple Dictionary. They, They tend to not like holy days and particularly Christian holy days on Apple, so... We'll see, because remember they deleted Easter from the calendar several years ago? It was like 2018. So we'll see what the Apple uh, Dictionary has to say when it loads here. But that's what communion is. It's the sharing of bread and the sharing of wine. Now, obviously, the bread and the wine represent something else. The wine is the blood of Christ, and the bread is the body of Christ. Now, if we just sat here and looked at it from a literal point of view kind of a a mundane point of view. We would see that some people could interpret communion to be precisely the same thing as the Hollywood obsession with blood and cannibalism. And on the surface, that's precisely what it is. It's blood and flesh. Now, clearly, if you read the biblical story, uh, whether you're reading a biblical story in the Old Testament or the New Testament, things kind of change a little bit. But the Old Testament, uh, God is really, really obsessed with blood. God is really, really obsessed with punishment and wrath. God's kind of a kind of an a-hole. God's really, really nasty. God's really, really aggressive and really, really violent and really, really mean. And then I guess, you know, he gets a little older in the New Testament and he, he starts to chill out a little bit. And uh, things become a little bit more merciful. <laughs> and you know, the New Testament God's a little bit different than the, the Old Testament God. So if we go to the book of John, let's go to the book of John. Just saying that, people think, oh, this guy must be a Christian. Uh, go to the book of John. John 5 uh, or 656. John 656. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. John 6, 56. If you go back a verse, John 6, 55, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Now, for a community of Christian people who say the Bible is the truth, okay, if I, if I want to kind of be an a-hole myself here, I'd say, well, for anybody that says communion is not the same thing as the blood rituals and the flesh eating in Hollywood, I mean, John 6.55 precisely, I mean, surgically defines that the flesh of Christ is food and that the blood is a real drink. We just have bread and we have grape juice or wine. So John 6.55 through six. 56, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So it's the same exact thing. But I will say that there's clearly a difference between that form of communion and what Hollywood does. The main difference is 
why you're eating the flesh, why you're eating the bread, and why you're drinking the blood while you're, while you're drinking the grape juice or the, or the wine. Now, in Hollywood, it's for power. In Hollywood, it's for possibly for blackmail, but it's, it's for power. And they believe that this, this kind of practice gives them the power to, I mean, science has actually shown us that if you transfuse old blood out of a mouse and put the, the, the blood of a younger mouse into the old mouse, if you switch the blood, it'll actually rejuvenate the body and the organs and things like that will start to, in a sense, it will kind of age backwards in a, in a way, not like Benjamin Button, but it'll kind of, it'll rejuvenate. So, yeah, I mean, blood is a powerful thing. And people have drank blood for, for, for thousands of years thinking that it would give them some kind of extra additional power. I mean, okay, so think about it. I mean, when you have, when you have uh, tribes in places like Africa, and it's not just Africa, but in places like Africa, they'll, they'll drink the blood of their enemies and they'll eat their flesh. And they'll do it literally because they believe that if this warrior was very strong, even though they defeated them in battle, if they ate their body and drank their blood, they would become even stronger. They would acquire sympathetically the, the power and the strength of this defeated fallen foe. That's a practice throughout most of the world. If you eat the enemy, you will become not only stronger, but you will obtain all of the, the attributes of your enemy. And there are some tribes who, you know, I personally am not interested in cannibalism, but there are some tribes who have, a, have an interesting take on cannibalism. There's a, a handful of tribes that believe that eating the body, and I don't think that it's, it's healthy, I don't personally want to eat human flesh, but there are some tribes who eat human flesh because not, they're not thinking they're going to obtain you know, their, their, their enemy's power, but they believe that if an ancestor um, or a relative rather dies, rather than letting them just kind of sink back into the, into the framework of the universe, if you will, and instead of just kind of being absorbed into the spiritual realm and just becoming part of the ancestral lineage, they consume their body because they believe that it's respectful to eat their relative. Rather than letting them rot in a cold, hard ground, they believe in giving them a warm body. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the practice per se, but I, I understand where that thought process is coming from, and I don't think that it's primitive or uh, even barbaric for that matter. I find it to be uh, quite conscious. And I find that those that you know eat their eat their enemies, I find that to be quite conscious. I mean, you could call it superstitious, but once again, I mean, why do we drink the flesh or drink the blood and eat the flesh of of Christ? We do it for the same reason. We, it's not just for atonement; it's because we we want Jesus to reside in us. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. It's a unification with with Christ. So th- this is something that. I know that Christians, for some reason, just can't handle criticism, which is really sad. And I'm not talking about the two people who emailed me because they were really respectful, but some Christians just can't handle criticism. And it's, 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 it's really, really sad. I mean, I've, I've, never, I've never met 
any other I've never met another person who of another religion who is so biased and so angry about anything that is contradictory to their beliefs. Like I have a friend who's Muslim and she is one of the most open-minded people you'd ever meet. And she is open to I mean with a, I haven't talked to her for some time but when we we used to spend time together this this woman would literally have a conversation about anything. So but but and she would you know she would take critiques of Islam and I mean, it's just even even something as simple as as the, the the parallels between Christianity and Islam. I mean, you know, Christianity is basically it's a it's a form of Islam. I know people disagree with me, or Islam's a version of Christianity. If people disagree with me, fine, that's whatever, whatever. I don't care. The point is that there are so many references to Jesus and Mary and all the biblical characters in the Quran, but most people wouldn't know that because they think the Quran is the book of infidels, which is ludicrous. It really doesn't make any sense to me. But back to the topic at hand, blood. Blood is the life force. Okay, so if blood is the life force, and it's it's coursing through our veins, the blood is, in essence, that life that God breathed into us. So blood belongs to God. And those that sacrificed animals in the Bible, we're told, were to pour out the blood because the blood belonged to God. Because it's the life force. And if you go into a, uh, a search engine or you have, you know, you have a Bible, uh, look up uh, the Bible verse, Leviticus 17.14. And if you read Leviticus 17, 14, along with John 6, 55 through 6, 56, again, not a Christian, just I'm, I'm just reading the Bible. Uh, Leviticus 17, 14 says, the life of every creature is its blood. And this is why I have said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is in its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. So traditionally, based on biblical narratives, the blood belongs to God, and those who drank the blood of an animal would be cut off. You can interpret that however you want to interpret it, but the blood of the animal, if you drank it, would uh, cut you off from God, cut you off from something, I'm, I'm assuming God, source. So throughout history, people have consumed uh, you know, blood in various forms of sacrifices, and uh, according to the book of Leviticus, if you drink that blood, well, you get cut off. But then you have other stories like, well, the blood of Jesus is a real drink, and the flesh is real food in the book of John. Now, I could sit here and, and, and nitpick the, the Bible and, and, and criticism, criti- criticize it and you know, point out glaring hypocrisies and glaring contradictions. But I don't think the Bible is a singular source of, of truth. I think that's a lazy way of saying that I've never read it. I don't understand it. I just have faith in what the church told me. And that's, that's intellectually barbaric and it's ignorant. The Bible is a combination of a lot of different things. So if you want to use the Bible to understand what, what these things are, like communion and blood, it, it's right there. You look up the Bible verses in your own Bible, and you can see it. The, the, my, my flesh 
is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So it's it's literal, but it's also a metaphor. And then in Leviticus, life of every creature is in its blood. You must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is in its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. So you could use that Bible verse to interpret, you know, uh, anything you want. You could use that to interpret, you know, a, a lifestyle void of meat. Well, look, the Bible says that if we eat meat, we're going to be cut off from source. If we drink a creature's blood in a, in a rare steak, we're going to be cut off from source. You can interpret it in any way you choose to interpret it is the point. Nevertheless, blood or wine and grape juice and flesh or bread or crackers or wafers, I believe are the same thing as those other forms of sacrifice that involve flesh and blood. I mean, arguably, every time you eat an animal, you're performing a a sacrifice so that you can eat, so that you can obtain nutrients, and you're consuming that animal's flesh. Uh, You're consuming that animal's blood. I mean, every single person who eats meat is performing to some capacity at some point in the process an animal sacrifice. But there's all kinds of sacrifices. The animal self you sacrifice the human self. I mean, like a monk, for example, or uh, an honest priest. There aren't many of them, but an honest priest. Uh, you know, you have a a person who is giving up their life for you know the church, for the temple, for whatever, and they are practicing chastity. They're practicing. Um, you know, uh, uh, they're they're practicing various uh, virtues, and they're they're doing so to be pure and to be clean and to to connect with Source and be that intermediary between God and and man. And uh, in the old days, people actually didn't eat flesh because they believed. I'm not saying nobody did. I'm saying that in the old days, people that were practicing certain spiritual um, practices, they they were uh, people that were particularly in the in the mystery schools of you know Egypt or Greece or Rome or whatever that they they abstained from eating meat because they thought that it would it would blur their connection to spirit and to source or to other spirits to the spirit realm they didn't drink the blood because they thought that the the energy of the animal would interfere with their connection so maybe that's what Leviticus 17 14 is talking about it would it, it, it disconnects you I mean, so I mean, there, I'm not trying to make a singular point here. I'm, I'm 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 analyzing and observing what listeners have pointed out, saying that they they don't believe that the body and blood of Christ are the same thing as actual blood and flesh. I mean, obviously they're not. It's a metaphor, and I don't think that you know Jesus cut a chunk of his skin out and poured a glass of his own blood. But again, it's a metaphor. And uh, as another listener said, a, a blood sacrifice is where a mortal sacrifices either part or all of their self to honor, glorify, or petition an entity, usually malevolent. I mean, I, I, I have to disagree with you, the person that sent this, uh, Bright Lights, the email. I have to disagree with you because a blood sacrifice is not just where a mortal sacrifices part or all of their self. A blood sacrifice is any blood sacrifice. It's every slaughter of an animal. It doesn't matter if you do it or some big company does it. That's a blood sacrifice. You do it to obtain the life force of that animal, to eat that animal, which, I mean, if, you, if the Bible's the truth, 
then any Christian eating meat is violating the scripture. They're violating Leviticus. And I'm sure Christians are quick to the keyboard. They're like, where, where else does it say? Well, it says in Genesis, man has dominion over the creatures. Okay, I, I, I'm not trying to prove a point here. That's my point. I'm not trying to prove a point. I'm trying to look at every angle here. A blood sacrifice is more than just a mortal sacrificing part or all of their self to honor or glorify an entity. And besides, Jesus became mortal so that he could be sacrificed. So by that definition of what this listener sent me, Jesus performed a blood sacrifice, and it was meant to petition God. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was meant to petition God, an entity, arguably. A blood sacrifice is where a mortal sacrifices either part or all of their self to honor, glorify, or petition an entity. Yell, that's Jesus dying on the cross, petition God to forgive man for their sins by spilling his blood. That is a blood sacrifice. It doesn't matter if it's in the name of atonement or if it's in the name of I'm going to spill the blood of an innocent so I can get this movie role. It's still a blood sacrifice. And I find it to be disingenuous that people try to separate. Well, our blood sacrifice is better than their blood sacrifice because ours is about atonement of sins and theirs is about power and control. Well, sure, it is, but it's still a blood sacrifice, and you're still doing it for the same reason, because there's energy and power in the blood, and the Bible says that. That's why the blood belongs to God. That's why Jesus spilled his mortal blood to petition God to forgive the sins of man. That's why blood is smeared on almost every page of the Holy Scripture. Blood is everywhere. From Jesus' sacrifice to the killing of animals to the killing of people to something like, I think it's tens of tens and tens and tens of thousands of people slaughtered by the Israelites. And then it's like, well, why were the Jews held captive in Egypt? I don't know, because if you read the history of it, they actually... They enslaved the Egyptians when they first came into Egypt, and then the Egyptians re-enslaved them. And I mean, I, when people try to look at history or they look at religion and they try to justify, well, well, your side did this, and our side did th- our side's better, or you know, your blood sacrifice is is demonic, and ours is righteous. I mean, what do you what do you think? Do you not do you honestly think Satanists? Like the ones that do these kinds of things, that, that the morons that go like find a rabbit and cut its throat, and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to drink this rabbit's blood for Satan, man. Check this out. They put down their beer, and then they, they drink the blood of the rabbit. Like, oh, that's gross, man. But it's like, yeah, but Satan, man, Satan. It, it, it's just so asinine. And, and, and I got and I got to tell you, I mean, I could sit here and just placate Christians, but when I see Christians do things, and I've known people. I knew there was a guy when I was in film school. He literally had a rabbit. And he killed the rabbit to drink its blood because he thought it was fun. Okay, so that to me is as ignorant as a Christian going to church and taking the blood of Christ in the form of Welch's grape juice or wine and taking the body of Christ in the form of bread or wafer and oyster cracker and not understanding what they're doing. Yeah, the church will be like, this is the body, it's symbolic. This is the wine, it's symbolic. What's it symbolic of? Flesh and blood. 
You can separate yourself from drinking real blood and eating real flesh. You can be like, well, I'm not drinking real blood. I'm not actually a cannibal, but you're doing it symbolically. I mean, it's think about it in kind of like a, a childlike way. It's like eating, uh, you know, the gummy worms that you put in the Oreos. The Oreos were the dirt. The gummy worms were the worms. I mean, some kids will actually just go eat real worms. So you're just you're mimicking the eating of real worms. It's a candy, but you're mimicking the eating of it's it's a grape juice, but you're mimicking the drinking of blood. I I don't like when people try to try to convince me of something, especially when they're trying to convince me of something that is so clearly not a singular thing that can be defined. I mean, I appreciate these emails I received, and and we're going to go into something else in the next hour. We're going to go beyond this. But, you know, these two emails I received that inspired tonight's show, um, one listener, uh, uh, Brightlight, who was respectful in the email, he just, they said, he, I don't know if it's he, she, she, he, she, I'm not sure who you are, Brightlight. But uh, they said blood sacrifices were immortal sacrifices, part or all of their self to honor, glorify, or petition an entity, usually malevolent. Well, I mean, that means that Jesus was mortal. Jesus spilled his blood, and then that, that was used to petition God to forgive the sins of man, which is what they say in the next sentence. Jesus sacrificed himself to restore and redeem the life of mankind. Well, that's a blood sacrifice to petition God. It's, it's exactly the same thing. And I'm going to get off this now, but that, it's exactly the same thing. And uh, back to the other email from Tom. Clearly, Jesus didn't cut himself open and say, here's my real blood, drink my real blood. It's a metaphor because what is the blood of Christ? It's the life force of Christ. It's the life force of God. God gave life to man. So it is the blood. I mean, to, to deny that it's blood and to say that it's, this, it's not the same thing is really, to, as far as I'm concerned, it's to deny the very essence of your religion because it's, it's the life force. In Leviticus, it's the life God, you know, gives you life. God gives you the blood, life force, the energy. And of course, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't like when Christians and people that are anti-Christian fight over the story of Abraham and Isaac. You know, because I, I, I was thinking of that earlier, and I was thinking, well, there's the story of Isaac and the sacrifice, right? Abraham's supposed to sacrifice his son, and then at the last minute, God's like, <laughs> I'm just joking. You don't have to kill the kill the little bastard. I, I thought, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's pause for one moment. Christians scramble to try to defend that part of the Bible, right? What was that Genesis 22? Christians scramble. Oh, that's not what it meant. And God, oh, he didn't really kill him. He, he was just testing him. He was just testing him. Okay, and then other people will say, well, look, look at that story of Abraham and Isaac. It's, a, it's satanic, it's evil, and look at these Christians. They believe this evil stuff. I don't really agree with either. Okay, I mean, it's, it's pretty clean cut what it means. Genesis 22, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, Yes, my son Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offerings? And Abraham was like, it ain't here, son, because I'm about to burn you in the name of God. 
about to sacrifice you because God told me to do it. And then God's like, eh, don't touch that little boy right there. Don't, don't touch that kid. I was just testing you. What an a-hole, right? It's a metaphor, okay? It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. And if it is a true story, God is a not a good person, okay? He's not a good person. And, you know, the, the whole idea, if you look at some very ancient uh, mythology from the East, for example, you find the story of the Jiki Ketsugeki. And it's basically a tiny, it's like, it's like a mosquito. It's a tiny little creature who reincarnates, you know, as, it's essentially a mosquito. You know, it's a person who reincarnates as a mosquito. And they're, they're, they're sentenced to drink blood due to past transgressions in a previous life. The Jijiki or Jiki Ketsugaki, this tiny blood drinking creature, or again a mosquito, has to drink the blood to atone for their past sins. That's why we drink the blood of Christ to atone for our sins. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. We're going to go into more of this in the next hour, plus a little bit more about human sacrifice and abortion. That's always fun. Right here on The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available as TST Weekends, our one-hour Saturday morning show. Search the show name and start listening today for free. And if you want to avoid those annoying ads, visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our ad-free archive with some of our older shows included. You'll get a private RSS feed and access to the Montage Archive and my digital books. Subscribe today or listen to the free show archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. 
People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. This is David John Eich from reversespeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. This transmission is coming to you from the space between heaven and hell. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. In the free show archive on our website or the many radio and podcast players, please leave us a review. Let us and other people know what you think of the show. You can also subscribe to our full archive without the monetized ads, so you can listen to the show without those annoying breaks every couple of minutes you'll also get access to the montages the private rss feed and early access to the show when the show is pre-recorded other ways to support the secret teachings include grabbing a copy of one of my books i'd recommend occult arcana tonight because there's quite a bit in that book 540 plus pages it's bigger than six by nine so it's a really really hefty text and there's a, a number of things in that book about communion and blood drinking and it's not just blood drinking. You know, it's not just communion. It's not just wine or grape juice. It's not just bread or crackers and wafers and oyster, you know, crackers. They used to give those out of my church. It's not just that in the body of Christ. I mean, there's a, there's a lot more to the story of blood and flesh. There's a lot more to the story of, of John 655 through 656. Jesus says, For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Because Jesus is the bread of life. Now, Jesus being the bread of life is clearly metaphoric. Because in the old days, especially in the Bible, when you read the stories of what people ate, they usually ate a lot of bread. And I mean, the, the Jews in particular ate the unleavened bread, so which I, I, I always liked uh, Jewish bread. So I, thought, I think Jewish bread's really good. It's kind of heavy and dense. So it actually is, it's actually better for your body's insulin response because of that. Just silly little health fact there. But uh, I always like that really dense bread. I, like, I don't like the fluffy bread so much, unless I'm having like a chili or something. But I like the, I like the thick bread, really heavy, dense bread. And that's what, you know, people would eat. So that bread is life, right? And obviously, you know, people today that are uh, considered in, you know, part of the boomer generation, they still got to have their bread and their milk and their eggs. That's still a big thing. Obviously, younger generations aren't as obsessed with that. 
they're more obsessed with, you know, pieces of toast with avocado smeared on them for $15. But, you know, bread is life. So that's a metaphor. And when Jesus says, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. It's like we were told when I went to Christian school, I was in middle school, and they told us that Jesus would come up to your heart and he would go like this, knock, knock, knock. And you're supposed to open the door and say, I didn't know you were stopping by, Jesus. You want to come in and have a drink? Jesus comes in, and it's a party. All right, that's, that's literally what my school taught me. They said, Jesus knocks on your heart, and then you invite him in for a drink or something, and then you <laughs> have a party. I mean, as a kid, I thought that was literal. Obviously, it's a metaphor. Jesus is knocking on your heart. This is why Jesus always rips his robe open, and you can see the heart, crown of thorns, and you know, there's all kinds of religious iconography. And I thought, I mean, the Paschal Lamb, the Paschal Lamb, I have a section on this in my occult book too. The Paschal Lamb is an animal representation of Christ because Jesus is the Lamb. So Jesus is either the shepherd who holds the lamb or Jesus simply becomes the lamb. And the Paschal lamb, if you look up the, the, uh, the story of the Paschal lamb, you find that the Paschal lamb, and if you see the, 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 the paintings of it, the Paschal lamb has a spear, some kind of uh, weapon, tool, piercing its side. And that's because, well, it's, it's a representation of Christ being crucified and then pierced in the side by the spear. Now that representation of the of the of the of the sacrifice of the of the crucifixion is not something that is unique to Christianity because for example Odin story of Odin Odin also was crucified on the world tree and then he had his side pierced by a spear. And you can find a similar prototype, similar archetype in the story of Prometheus. Because Prometheus brought fire to man. The gods were very upset. And so they tied Prometheus down to a, to a rock. Prometheus was a god. And they tied him down to a rock, a, some large boulder. And they had a bird eat the liver out of his side and every day the liver would regrow and the side would heal and the bird would come and peck at it and rip his flesh apart again and kind of you know drink his blood and eat his flesh but it was for a different reason it was for to meant it was so he would suffer now if you go into the bible and you read psalms psalm 23 and you hear this among christians a lot the lord is my shepherd i shall not want obviously lambs are used to express the qualities of uh, you know, a spiritual figure, some, something pure, right? And the Paschal, Paschal means Easter, so the Paschal lamb appears with a halo in most of the images and descriptions, signifying the lamb's relationship to the sun. The lamb is usually white, and it shares a relationship with the white horse, the white horse that Buddha, Muhammad, and uh, many other religious figures rode. The white horse is obviously purity. It's the sun. It's Christ. And there's usually a chalice that is, you know, kind of like the the cup that was used uh, 
to collect the blood of Christ on the cross or, you know, the, the, the womb, if you will, the, the, the chalice to hold the, the blood of Christ at the Last Supper because there's blood spewing from a wound in the lamb's side, which, of course, references the crucifixion of Jesus and the piercing of his side by a spear or the hanging of Odin on the world tree or the punishment of Prometheus. Now, the sacrificial lamb plays a very similar role to that of the scapegoat. While the latter would be sacrificed in atonement for collective sins, the first lamb of each season was sacrificed in hope of achieving triumph over adversity or over any specific adversary. So any hardship, but then also if there was a a common enemy. So the sacrificial lamb, the individual sacrificial lamb, would be sacrificed, that's Christ, an atonement for collective sins. So a blood sacrifice is not just the sacrifice of the self, spilling of one's blood or something to that effect to appease some malevolent deity because Jesus turned himself into a mortal creature. God turned himself into a mortal creature. And then Jesus spilt his blood to petition God to forgive the sins of man. So I had a listener message me and say, blood sacrifice, cannibalism, it's not the same thing as drinking the blood and eating the flesh. It's not the same thing as drinking the wine and eating the bread. It's not the same thing as communion or the Eucharist. And I I disagree. I mean, I agree that it's not the same thing, you know, generally speaking, but let's call it statistically speaking. Let's call it strategically speaking. Let's call it Metaphorically speaking, it is the same thing. Uh, blood sacrifice is not just a mortal sacrificing themselves or something to a god. And if it is, then Jesus became man and then he sacrificed himself to atone for the collective sins of mankind for generation to generation to come, right? And that's why a lamb is sacrificed. A lamb is sacrificed to atone for the collective sins of people. And the first lamb of any season was usually sacrificed in hope of achieving triumph over any, any adversarial thing. Symbolic of the lamb is also the purity of the dove. We know Jesus is, of course, associated with the dove, a symbol of peace related in terms of the Holy Trinity to the Holy Ghost. Those washed in the blood of the lamb were considered cleansed of their sins. Blood throughout history has been seen as a cleansing force. In fact, modern medical practices that we think are so advanced, some of them are akin to bloodletting. And, and, and it wasn't too long ago, like 100 years ago, bloodletting was a very common practice because they thought that the since blood is the life force, that's been a traditional view of mankind for thousands of years, blood was the life force. If there was, there was sickness, there must be a corruption in the blood force, and therefore we must drain out that corruption. So, I mean, I believe that's actually how George Washington died. Too much blood was let out of his body. So, a lot of our modern medical practices, you know, it's modern, but a lot of it's really just, I mean, we look back and think bloodletting. They, they actually did that stuff. We'll probably look back and think chemotherapy. They actually did that stuff, <laughs> you know? They actually gave people remdesivir. They injected people with experimental gene editing technology. What the hell was wrong with those people 25, 50 years ago? 
but bloodletting. It was a medical practice because they thought that the, the, the life force was contaminated or perverted. So they would drain the blood out of the body. And those washed in the blood of the lamb were considered cleansed of their sins because blood was a cleansing thing. I mean, blood used to be used to cleanse and wash away impurities in, in temples thousands of years ago. Therefore, those following the way of Christ have to be cleansed in the blood that he shed on the cross, making the cross, the red cross or the rose cross, that rose being the symbol of initiation into the mysteries. Now, if you go and look at one of these pictures of the Paschal Lamb, you cannot dispute that the Paschal Lamb, the animal sacrifice, is Christ, because that's what it represents. The lamb with the halo spewing blood from its side, that's, that's Christ. Christ is the lamb. And the bride is the wife of the lamb. Brides, their white you know, robes and gowns are purity and innocence. It's also an expression of spring when the earth is saved from darkness by the light of the sun. And that, of course, is the, 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 the story of the horses of the apocalypse, the the red horse of summer, the black horse of fall, then the pale horse of the winter, and then the white horse comes back. So Jesus rides the white horse, the sun comes back, brings light, life, warmth, etc. to the world. Now that's the, that's the Paschal Lamb, and I bring that up because that is the animal version of Christ. Christ is the Lamb, and so we sacrifice the Lamb, we sacrifice Christ, we sacrifice Jesus, and what do you get? Well, you get atonement collectively for sins. But blood has been spilt for thousands of years for various reasons relating to things like uh, let's hope that the crops do well this season or we're going to starve to death. So they used to some some communities would sprinkle blood on crops. Some would sacrifice people just passing by. They would find a person in the field. They would string them up. They would drain their blood and hopefully that would appease the gods. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm not sorry to tell you that's, you can call it something different because you're a Christian, but if you spill the blood of an animal, whether that's to obtain a good favor with a god or a goddess in hopes that your crops grow or your home's protected, I mean, they smeared blood on the doorposts in the story of Exodus so the Holy Spirit would pass over those homes. I mean, that, that was a, a pro-Christian story, right? And they use the, I, I just, I don't get why Christians get so uptight about these things. Is it, you don't have a unique religion. You do not have a unique set of beliefs. And I think it's unfortunate that some Christians can't recognize that and some, you know, any religious group can't recognize that because if we were to recognize that, we could just have a conversation about it. We'd recognize that we all pretty much believe in the same exact thing. I mean, we might have various different political views and certain views on, you know, preferences and culture, but traditionally, spiritually, symbolically, we all have the same points of view. So where does the blood sacrifice come from? It comes from the spewing of blood from the wound of Christ, Odin, Prometheus. It is meant to atone for the sins of the individual or the sins of the collective. I mean, why do you think Christians beat the hell out of themselves with those whips, right? Why do you think that if you go back into uh, Eastern tradition, 
Why do you think things like suicide were such like an admirable thing? Because the, the, the whole idea of, and, and this is in Egypt, it's in Mesoamerica, it's in Japan, it's in other parts of mainland Asia. People would be killed as part of a sacrifice to follow their lord, their, their ruler, into the afterlife. And it was an honor. I mean, this is where we get the, 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 the word Harry Carey or Harry Kiri, which is the traditional version of the word Kiri, K-I-R-I, or the act of sepuka, which is ritual suicide by disembowelment by sword. That's the, the Harry Kiri, or the Harry, Harry Kiri. And this, this sepuka was known as junshi, which meant that you followed the Lord to the afterlife in service. It wasn't a punishment, it was actually an honor. And in the Aztec world, the people that were sacrificed and had their heart ripped out, I mean, I'm sure people didn't necessarily want that to happen, but you know, contrary to Apocalypto, that was a sacred thing. You were honored to have your heart ripped out so that the sun came back up, so that the crops grew, so that your, your people were protected. And whether it's Mesoamerica or it's in Egypt, Servants used to be buried with pharaohs or with other royalty. I mean, that's a tradition from Mesoamerica to Africa to Asia. It's literally all over the world. The Sepuku. Sepuku. I think I said Sepuka. It's Sepuku in, in, in Japanese. Sepuku. It's ritual suicide, and you follow, just like the pharaohs, you follow the, the, the dead into the afterlife. There's so many different traditions and so many different practices. There's a, a deity called the Jiki Ketsugaki. And the Jiki Ketsugaki is a human who dies, who's reincarnated into a tiny creature. And because of some transgression in their past life, they are meant to drink the blood of things as this reincarnated entity. We know that entity as the mosquito. This is an old Asian Japanese tradition that the tiny creatures, these little mosquitoes, were a reincarnation of a human brought back to the world as a tiny pest, and they were sentenced to drink blood due to their past transgressions, which means that these little mosquitoes, if they were humans that were reincarnated based on this tradition were drinking the blood to atone for their past sins. If you know the story of Amaterasu, I don't know if I pronounced that right. Amaterasu. Let's see if we can get the exact pronunciation of that. It's Amaterasu. I've said Amaterasu for a long time. It's Amaterasu. Amaterasu. So Amaterasu in Japanese mythology is the female Jesus. And when I learned this, I was like, I've literally never heard anybody mention this. Why is, why is nobody? I mean, I think it's because we don't really focus a lot on Eastern myths and traditions and things like that. So I learned this and I just, I was, I was like fascinated by it. I, I, I've talked about Amaterasu before on the show and it's in my book, Occult Arcana. This is a deity. This is a goddess 
who was literally placed into a cave for three days and then resurrected. And she was the sun. She was the rising sun in the land of the rising sun. So when she went into the cave, there was darkness. And when she emerged from the cave, and if you type in Amaterasu, you'll, you'll find so many beautiful images of uh, this Japanese goddess. And she brought light back to the world. There's a really, uh, really famous image here I just pulled up. So she brings light back to the world. Now, Amaterasu is the Japanese Jesus, in essence. And she was sacrificed in a cave for three days and then resurrected. It's, it's a metaphor for the sun. And I just, I, I, I won't listen. I can't listen to the, well, the devil placed those things there. Are you really going to demean and degrade every other culture and every other society and every other belief system on this planet rather than recognizing that they all believe the same thing you do? You just believe in a little more of a, of a literal version of what they see as metaphor for nature. That's, I mean, the Jiki Ketsugaki is a mosquito. It's, it just is a human reincarnated as mosquito drinking blood. Why does it drink blood to atone for its sins in a past life? Why did Jesus allow himself to be crucified on the cross? Because he allowed his blood to be spilled and allowed for his body to be, to be torn apart to atone for the sins of man by petitioning God through the sacrifice of his body and blood. Giving up the pleasures of life giving up the life force and petitioning God to agree to dismiss the sins of man. And it doesn't matter if you look in Mesoamerica. It doesn't matter if you look in Africa. It doesn't matter if you look in China or Japan. It doesn't matter if you look into Europe with the god Mithras slaying the bull and the blood drops down and then brings flowers back to the world. It doesn't matter where you look. Look in India. Same exact story of Mithras, just in the in the case of Kali. It's the same mythos because the one thing that was common, other than ancient aliens, the one thing that was common was the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, and nature. And our ancestors saw all those things, and it doesn't matter if they were in the east, in the west, in the south, in the north. It doesn't matter if they were in... The Americas, it doesn't matter if they were in Africa, Europe, Asia, Japan, Australia. They saw and they interacted with the same things. And I think, I'm not discounting the, the idea of aliens here, okay? Because I'm, I'm open to that, that, I would say, a high possibility. But I, I don't think that that's responsible for all these commonalities in these various religions and cultures throughout the world. I think it's, it's man seeing the world in the same, but, you know, similar but kind of different ways depending on where they are and they come up with different deities and and different um gods and goddesses and i i i don't know why that has to be a negative thing for christians in particular i mean i think that's kind of a a, a beautiful thing it's a it should be it should kind of be like a glorifying thing i mean every, your beliefs everybody has the same belief they just call it something different so to try to distance yourself from blood sacrifice, thinking, well, that's an evil thing. Well, like some people use it for evil. I mean, a, a gun can be used to kill somebody because you're angry, or it can be used to kill somebody who's breaking into your house and trying to hurt you. It's, it's a tool. Blood is a tool in that sense. 
It can be used to call down the forces of evil or call down the forces, or should say call up the forces of evil, call down the forces of good. It's how you use it that matters. But nevertheless, I mean, the blood belongs to God, according to Leviticus, and the flesh is food and the blood is drink, according to John. So, I mean, that's in the Bible, right? Uh, during break, by the way, the, uh, the little Apple dictionary I had did pop up. It had popped up earlier. I didn't see it. And uh, the Apple dictionary actually defined communion in the exact, it's exactly, it's verbatim the same way that the uh, Google dictionary defined communion. So it's, it's basically the consecration of bread and the sharing of bread and, and wine. All, it all relates to, you know, sacrifice and purity. But there's, there's a whole other angle to this, too. It's not just, it's not just the Jiki Ketsugaki or Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross or Prometheus or Odin. It's also the wine. So the blood itself has all of this related symbolism and meaning. But the wine also has a similar symbolism and meaning. We go back to wine gods like Bacchus or Dionysus. And Dionysus or Bacchus, the gods of wine in Greece and Rome, they're the same god, were gods of intoxication because those that drank wine were intoxicated and those that drank wine and were intoxicated would sometimes hallucinate. You drink a little bit too much, you get loopy. You consume hallucinogenics, you get a little bit loopy. You start to see things that aren't necessarily there based on the physical eyes. So what ends up happening is you start to see into other worlds, right? And there's a power, a power in the, the alcohol that, uh, well, according to, you know, I guess his, historical texts, our ancestors didn't understand this, but they thought that there were magical forces in the alcohol. They knew how to make it. They just didn't know how it was made necessarily. Like the complexity, what's well, a simple process, but the kind of the complexity of it based on you know, the time period. So they called it spirits, which is why you still go to the store today or you go to a, a restaurant and they have spirits. You get alcohol. They thought that there were actually spirits in them. So the wine, they thought, or the, 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 the beer, whatever they were drinking, they thought was had spirits in them. And that's what made people so loopy and so so able to hallucinate and see things that weren't there the spirits were like controlling their mind and their body and that absolutely connects to communion and 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 drinking of wine or blood and i said we're going to get into uh you know abortion again i'm going to briefly touch on that again in this in the in the last segment tonight because of the supreme court's leak of the overturning of roe versus wade but it goes directly into into this subject and um it's something that I just feel it needs to be discussed in um in a way that's not political. It needs to be discussed, I think, maybe in a more theological way, but having nothing to do with, you know, being pro-life because you're a Christian. We're going to take a completely different angle tonight on the secret teachings about that subject. But abortion ties into blood sacrifice, cannibalism, and intoxication by, by the wine, by the alcohol. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Please don't go anywhere. Stay with us here on the broadcast. TheSecretTeachings.info, rdgable at yahoo.com, TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. There's more after this. 
Broadcasting from the edge of thought and consciousness, it's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is finally available on nearly every podcast platform, from Apple and Spreaker to Spotify and Podcast Addict. Also available is TST Weekends. Search the show name and start listening today for free. If you want to avoid those annoying ads, subscribe to our ad-free archive with our oldest shows, a private RSS feed, our montage archive, and Ryan's digital books. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. For a lot longer than most podcasts have been around, The Secret Teachings has been at the forefront of unique investigation into both the mundane and the extraordinary. Critical thought and controlled speculation allowed us to determine that the much-anticipated UAP report would be vague, unexplained, and would simply imply the need for defense against national security threats. We determined that sonic weapons were the cause of Havana Syndrome a full year before CNN acknowledged the same. We told you about the mind-controlled magic, sex slavery, and intellectual theft in the music industry long before Britney Spears spoke out about her conservatorship, and we've been removed from radio for refusing to censor our show over international child trafficking networks and sex cults long before Epstein didn't kill himself. This has been done with no budget, only your support, and a will to learn and succeed. And you can continue to be a part of the Secret Teachings journey as we broadcast Monday through Friday after Lighting the Void with Joe Roop, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. If you look at Greek and Roman mythology, you'll find a deity named Dionysus or Bacchus, the god of wine, god of intoxication. It was said that if you drink the wine of Bacchus or Dionysus, you will be blessed by this god, but obviously that blessing can also be a ruin because you drink a little bit too much, that can, that can ruin your, your demeanor, that can ruin your life if you drink excessively too often. And, uh, you know, if you drink the wine, it's something that you're basically taking the power of this God and internalizing it. So in Greece and Rome, it was said that men could be transformed into the God 
by drinking his wine, which reminds us of two different biblical narratives, and that is the miracle performed by Jesus turning water into wine, which relates to the transformation of the body, which is mostly water, into the consumption of the the wine of Bacchus or Dionysus, but also when we drink the blood of Christ, as told in the story uh, in the book of John, we're drinking the real blood of Christ. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. John 6.55. When we drink the wine of Dionysus or Bacchus, what we're drinking is, well, essentially the essence of that God and it can turn us into that God. So that's why we we drink the blood of Christ. And as John 6.56 says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So when you drink the blood of Christ, you become one with him. And when you drink the wine of Dionysus or Bacchus, you become one with him. You transform and turn into him like water into wine. It is, in essence, the same exact story. Bland water, bland men, could be transmuted into refined characters like wine by drinking of wine uh, and uh, it turn into a state of you know, warmth and joy. Or it can turn you into uh, you know, a, br- a brute. And men could be born... Reborn, resurrected again and again and again through this process. Edith Hamilton writes in the book Mythology, which is one of the best mythology books I've ever written, about the consumption of wine. She says, quote, The momentary sense of exultant power wine drinking can give was only a sign to show men that they had within them more than they knew. They could themselves become divine. So it's not just a blood sacrifice. It's also the actual drinking of wine. You drink wine, it is a symbol that you can become divine because it changes internally who you are. When you take in the wine of Bacchus or Dionysus, they change the water into wine. They can change you into something else. You drink alcohol, you become a slightly different person. Some people become mean. Some people become, you know, calm. But the point is, it's a transformative process. Jesus' flesh is real food, his blood is real drink. Whoever eats the flesh and drinks the blood remains in him and he in them. And when you drink the wine of Dionysus or Bacchus, it's, the, it's, the, it's precisely the same thing. And uh, that's not a negative or a satanic version of blood sacrifice. It's a transformative form of, of, of sacrifice. You know, that's... It's... You can look at blood sacrifice, you can interpret it in dozens of ways as we have tonight on the show. And I was inspired to do tonight's show because a few listeners were a little bit concerned over my my take and my take on, you know, Hollywood blood drinking and not necessarily cannibalism, but with a show we did on blood drinking was related to cannibalism as well. And they said, no, 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 communion's not the same thing. Jesus crucifying, you know, crucified on the cross, that's not the same thing. Because Jesus, you know, he he did this to, to, to have us atone for our sins. But, I mean, I can look back into very, very ancient Eastern mythology, and I can find a little creature called the Jiki Kesugekai. And the Jiki Kesugekai is a reincarnation of a human brought back to the world as a tiny pest and sentenced to drink blood due to transgressions from a previous life. In other words, the human is reincarnated as what amounts to a mosquito, and drinks blood so that it can atone 
for its sins in another life. I mean, that is, it's such a simple thing that thousands of years ago, somebody saw the mosquito as a bloodsucker and said that this was a, I mean, in the East, and especially in Japan, there isn't really much of a, of a dividing line between the, the physical world and the spirit world. In fact, if you, I think there's some documentaries or there's a couple shows I've seen on it. After Fukushima happened, uh, there were uh, Japanese cab drivers and, and others that said that people would get into their cars and then they would they would disappear and they would find like I remember one thing I watched they said that they found that the person who got into their car and then vanished was actually someone who who died uh, during that that tsunami and that was I mean in Japan it's there's not much of a difference between the physical and the spiritual so if you go back thousands of years and I'm not saying this particular idea came from Japan because a lot of Japanese tradition also comes from China and Korea and other places. But this particular creature, the Jiki Kesukakai, it's just a mosquito. And it's a really simple thing in nature. You just, this mosquito drinks blood. Blood is the life force. It obviously is, is drinking this to, for some reason. It's, you know, it's not necessarily scientific. It's more spiritual. They're, it's drinking the blood because it's atoning for sins. It's the same exact thing of why you drink the blood of Christ. It's the same reason you drink the, the wine of Dionysus or Bacchus. I mean, the story of Amaterasu in Japan is a goddess of light and the sun who's put into a cave for three days and then resurrected. It's the exact same story. And uh, that story reportedly goes back 8,000 years. It grossly outdates the story of Christ in a cave. But then again, the story of Amaterasu is also grossly outdated by the billions of years of our, our solar system, if science is even kind of right, because the, the sun is really the source of Amaterasu in the same way it's the source of Jesus, so... But no, I know that I know Jesus is a special character. And I know all the other ones were made up by the devil, right? So th- that's the drinking of blood. That's the eating of flesh. And that's also the drinking of wine. The drinking of wine is to intoxicate you, to change your form. It's transformative. It's transmutative. It's alchemy. It's turning water into wine. Jesus did that. So did Dionysus and Bacchus. It's the transforming of the mundane, plain water self, and the body is mostly water, into wine, something that's more complex, recognizing who you really are, communicating with spirits, communicating with God. It's all the same thing. Wine allows you to do that. It's also symbolized by the blood of Christ, the life force. For bread, it's the body, it's the flesh. Every time you eat an animal, you are performing a, a sacrifice to some extent. You're part of that process. And the bread of life, well, bread is life. So the bread of life gives you life. So it's, yes, literal wine and literal bread, which intoxicates you and changes and transforms you and also gives you life from wine to bread. But then the body and the blood is not just a metaphor, it's also quite literal, especially when you eat an animal. You're eating the flesh and drinking the blood to obtain life. And then it is also, of course, metaphor. There's, there's, there's so many angles to this and so many ways to look at it. Human sacrifice, animal sacrifice, it's a sacrifice of the self. doesn't mean you cut your throat, cut your wrists, and you die. It's you sacrificed your life for something greater, you know? 
there's a lot of different angles and ways to look at this. And that's, that's where we, we approach the subject of abortion again. And when you look at the Supreme Court's leaked, I'll say, quote-unquote, leaked opinion on Roe versus Wade, it seems that the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe versus Wade. Now, I know that this is considered a highly charged and particularly political subject that's very, very divisive. But I don't think that it needs to be. And I don't think that it needs to be because Roe versus Wade, although it established a right to abortion, it did not establish an absolute right to abortion. You can go read Roe versus Wade. Type in Roe versus Wade PDF, you'll find a copy. Subsequently, in 1992, Planned Parenthood of South, uh, Southern, a Southern Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey reaffirmed Roe versus Wade in both a right to an abortion, but also a right for states to regulate abortion. So it's always been confusing to me when I've seen people with signs that say that Texas allowing for civil lawsuits for abortion or certain abortion cutoffs in Florida or Arizona are somehow a violation of Roe versus Wade, which is, you know, Supreme Court case law. When when in reality those that 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 case law and Casey in 92 actually provides states a right to precisely do what they're doing. So that's that's the first concern when it comes to abortion. Roe versus Wade and Casey both actually allow for states to conduct this this type of regulation of abortion. Casey in particular allowed for 24-hour waiting periods, confirmation, um, you know, from uh, from the doctor that they've provided the the patient, the woman seeking the abortion they've provided her with the necessary information she needs, so informed consent, and a number of other things. The one thing they didn't hold up or agree with was that you have to have spousal consent. So, I mean, and that's something that I'm iffy on and I disagree with. However, 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 I understand from a legal standpoint and from the perspective of a court how you really can't quantify that. So I understand that that's not, um, you know, that's not that wasn't decided as something that could be done uh, in the case of, in the case of Casey Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey in 1992. So I mean, if you read that, uh, the case actually said uh, the Roe Court reached too far when it uh, when it ana- uh, analogized the right to abort a fetus uh, to the rights involved, and they name a number of cases, and and thereby deemed the right to abortion to be fundamental, quote-unquote. None of these decisions endorsed an all-encompassing right to privacy as Roe, and they and they, they referenced the, the part of Roe as Roe claimed. So, I mean, this is just, it's astounding to me. If you actually go read the Supreme Court's opinions on these two cases, the Supreme Court said in 1992 that Roe went a little bit too far and that the right to abortion wasn't necessarily a fundamental right. Yet, Casey reaffirmed that there are certain things that a state can do to restrict abortion so long as it does not create an undue burden. 
And it says an undue burden exists. This is directly from the Supreme Court case. An undue burden exists, and therefore a provision of the law is invalid if its purpose or effect is to place substantial obstacles in the path of a woman seeking an abortion before the fetus attains viability. There's another thing. Viability. How do you, def- how do you define that? How do you, how, do you, how do you define? I mean, the thing is, our courts are not supposed to make decisions based on rash, emotional, political points of view. And for the most part, despite the fact that we have a lot of crazy progressive judges that are paid to do horrible things, like not prosecute Antifa and just let pedophiles off. And you also have some conservative judges, which they don't make the same kinds of decisions that are so crazy because they usually are like, let the government get out of the way and let people live their lives. That's the only reason conservative judges don't seem to be as crazy. They're just like, well, you can't discriminate based on you know, somebody's gender, so you can't have a law that says a business has to hire someone who's gay or someone who's trans or whatever. So that law was struck down in California by a judge, and you know, the CDC did not have the authority to implement a mask mandate. They never asked Congress. They never asked the public. They violated the Administrative Procedures Act. They violated it. So a judge said it's, it's illegal. You can't do it. I mean, we have representatives that are just like, we don't, like I read a statement from Bernie Sanders yesterday. And the statement from Bernie Sanders said that, and it was similar to what Joe Biden has said in the past, well, if we can't get Congress to just outlaw, you know, uh, any kind of restriction on abortion and just make abortion legal for all things and all cases across the board, um, we should just end the filibuster and we should just force it through the Senate and just do it anyway. And I thought, this isn't so the Soviet Union, you old, decrepit piece of trash, Bernie Sanders, okay? This isn't the Soviet Union, so we actually have a rule of law here. We have a rule of law here, and we have to abide by that rule of law if you actually want true equality and true justice. So Bernie Sanders said we should just overturn the way in which our process, our, our governmental process works because abortion is such an important issue. I mean, is it is abortion really that much of an important issue that we need to just overturn the traditional process of, 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 of passing laws so that we can get done what progressives in particular want to get done? I mean, that just sounds, that just sounds irresponsible and ridiculous. Here's the quote from Bernie Sanders. Congress must pass legislation that codifies Roe versus Wade as the law of the land in this country. Now, he says. And if there aren't 60 votes in the Senate to do it, and there are not, we must end the filibuster to pass it with 50 votes. So if it doesn't work, just change the rules so you can get past what you want to pass. Um, That's what Hitler, Stalin, Mao, and a bunch of other psychopaths did, you old, decrepit, socialist piece of trash. Not stand Bernie Sanders. And then you get people like this. Here's Elizabeth Warren. Angling for, for decades now. And ah, we are going to fight back. Ah, ah, she's screaming. Ah, ah. What is wrong with these people? Listen to Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. They're both just screaming and yelling. Here's Elizabeth Warren outside of... Um, this is reportedly outside of the Supreme Court. I think this was either this morning or... I think this was this morning or yesterday. Angry and upset and determined. The United States Congress 
can keep the rollercoaster away the lawful land. They just need to do it. I, I've never seen you so angry. You seem to be. This is what the Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. 69% of people across this country, across this country, red states and blue states, old people and young people, want Roe versus Wade to maintain as the dismember the land. We need to do no, that. All right, so it just it just goes on. This woman's a complete hysteric. And uh, I saw somebody say this is the, the maddest she's been since she got her DNA results back. <laughs> Found out she wasn't. She wasn't actually Native American because she's a lying psychopath, gaslighter, crazy nut job. But I mean, listen to what she said. It's all political. The Republicans have been doing this. Sure, the Republicans have been doing it. So have the liberals. It's not a unique thing to one side or the other. It's just like with communion. Sure, Christians drink the wine and eat the bread, but so do other people for different reasons. And it has sometimes nothing to do with Christianity and God. And a lot of times it has nothing to do with the devil. It just represents, when you drink wine, the transformation of the person from, from water into wine, from a body into something you know else, to communicate with spirits or whatever. There's, there's different angles to it. And you're going to talk about the majority of Americans want abortion. I mean, well, hold on a second. A majority of Americans wanted Donald Trump to be president, and Joe Biden's in the White House, so I don't know what you're talking about with majorities. The point is that this is just a, 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 such a ridiculous subject because nobody in government who speaks out about this, who yells like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren is being honest. And Republicans aren't even being honest. You look at Arizona, look at Florida, 15-week cutoffs for abortion. It might be arbitrary, but why did they set the bar at 15 weeks? And does that mean you can't get an abortion if you've been raped or the victim of incest? No. But what does the media tell you? A 15-week abortion ban in Florida means that you can't have an abortion if you're raped. Yeah, that's true. After 15 weeks. If you get raped, you have 15 weeks. You know how many months that is? That's three-plus months to get an abortion. That's plenty of time if you've been raped. You'll probably take a Plan B pill the next day. Plenty of time. In fact, these so-called abortion bans in Florida and Arizona, in Florida, it only affects 6% of the people that got an abortion last year. It's the state setting the standard at 15 weeks because what's going to happen is if and when, as we told you weeks ago before this was a big topic, we're usually ahead of the curve here on The Secret Teachings, not because we're super smart, but just because we're paying attention to the pulse. And we told you a few weeks ago on Good Friday, the Supreme Court's probably going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And this leaked document, it might have been leaked honestly. It might have been you know unintentional. Uh, more might have been totally intentional to see how people would react or to get people used to the idea of, of um, you know, I don't know what the final opinion is going to be, but whatever the final opinion is, we'll just kind of digest it and process it and, and accept it. And I mean, personally, I think it's probably a Trojan horse that that was leaked. And the, the point here is a 15-week abortion ban allows you to have an abortion before 15 weeks if you've been raped or the victim of incest. And Roe versus Wade actually gives states the right to regulate abortion to some extent. It just prevents them from totally banning it. Now, 
from what I've seen, I haven't seen a single state say that they're not going to allow for abortion under any circumstance. There's always a circumstance in which abortion is allowed, even under the most strictest, you know, mostly conservative controlled states. There are allowances for abortion in the event that the, the mother could die. There's an allowance for an abortion, you know, it's for medical reasons, an allowance for abortion um, based on a certain time frame if you've been raped or the victim of incest. It's, it's, a compl- it's, not a, it's not like, I think people think the Supreme Court's opinion is just one page with one line that says, we are overturning Roe versus Wade. And then everybody has their own interpretation of what Roe versus Wade is. Roe versus Wade does not establish a fundamental right to abortion. It established a right to abortion, but with certain restrictions on that. Because the courts are supposed to find balance within the law. And as far as I'm concerned, it's not the federal government's place to tell the states how to regulate something that isn't explicitly mentioned in the Constitution. So as far as I'm concerned, it's the state that gets to decide, and that's hopefully what the Supreme Court does. I hope the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade on the principle that is the rule of law. Now, that might make you upset, but let me also say this. I think Roe versus Wade can also be a good thing because it does open the door for some people who otherwise might not be able to access abortion to, to get abortion. But I'm not pro or anti. I'm a circumstantialist. I want to see the circumstance first. No, I do not think a woman who is incredibly irresponsible and has four, five, six abortions should be afforded that by the state for her own mental health, if at anything. Let me also state this. On one side of the spectrum, a crazy, nutjob Christian conservative, wacko, who says that a woman should never be able to get an abortion under any circumstance, even if she was gang-raped. Or the other side of the spectrum, a crazy, liberal, progressive, Satanist, atheist, Antifa, who says that they go have sex with random guys to get pregnant just so they can have an abortion. Two sides of the same spectrum, both totally and absolutely 100% crazy, nuts, psychopaths. Circumstantially, our courts with Roe versus Wade and Casey and other cases have already determined that it's much more complicated and it's much more uh, balanced than that. And that the states can do certain things. So now the states are just going to get more power. And I'm sure, you know, I've already seen the posts. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, Arizona and Florida. That's the two states I I sold. Arizona and Florida, even Texas, they're going to completely outlaw abortion. It'll be totally illegal under all circumstances. Well, you didn't clearly read the the law in Arizona because that's not what the law says. Did you read the law in Florida? No. Did you listen to MSNBC or Fox News or CNN? Probably. Did you read something on Twitter? Probably. Is that the same political fact like Elon Musk can give every American a million dollars and still have $7 billion left over based on how much he spent to buy Twitter. He could give every American a dollar and, you know, for $330 million, but he, he can't give every American a million dollars. That's more money than he has in assets and et cetera. That's the kind of math that we see on social media. This is the kind of political discussion we see on social media, just hysteria, Bernie Sanders yelling, Elizabeth Warren yelling, and then you get the other side. You get the Christians that are like, well, uh, just wear a condom, okay? And it's like, you don't have to have sex. I, I don't understand either point of view. I don't understand either point of view. I mean, I get the concept of abstinence and taking responsibility, 
It should not be the government, the federal government's right to say that they can just bail you out when you make a poor decision. And I had somebody that they said they're not going to listen to the show anymore because I said, how dare I say that I believe, even though I think that, you know, the, 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 the law is, um, you know, is different than my opinion. But I said, my opinion is I think that under, you know, certain circumstances, if it could be worked out, a woman who's married to a guy, and I think that maybe she should have to have the permission to have, to have an abortion. Doesn't mean that, you know, that's a practical thing. I just said, I, I think it kind of sounds, kind of sounds right. And then I, you know, I think if, if a woman is going to have that abortion and not tell the man, then, well, I think that woman is also giving up the right to things like uh, child support. If you don't want the man to have any you know, relationship to your decision, then your decision should not affect the man and you should not be taking money from the man when you decide to have the child. That's how it should be. That's, that would be fair. That would be equal. That would be just. I think that's how it should work. If the man has no say, then also at the same time, the man should not have to pay child support. Well, the man has to take responsibility. So does the woman. Everybody needs to take responsibility. People need to take responsibility for their ignorant, asinine commentary on political things that nobody went, nobody went and read the laws. Nobody went. I mean, I bet you Elizabeth Warren probably hasn't even read Roe versus Wade. It's just the same standard political nonsense, this asinine, bias, subjective, one-size-fits-all, black-or-white point of view. Here's what's going to happen. The court's going to overturn all or part of Roe versus Wade. And then the states are going to get to regulate it. They're going to get to regulate it. And then the states are going to probably make things kind of strict in some places. But you'll still be able to get an abortion based on, if you actually read the law, what the law says, which is going to give exemptions for a number of different reasons. Okay? So basically it's going to cut down on Planned Parenthood accessing fully formed fetuses, to sell and experiment on, it's going to cut down on, on, on the human sacrifice. It's also going to, I mean, liberals in particular should be very, very happy that Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned because that means a lot less black babies are going to be aborted in this country because black babies are, the, are killed at Planned Parenthood at a rate higher than any other group. Black women only make up 7% of our entire population in this country, and they account for 30% of all the abortions. It's actually might be higher, 30 to 35% of all abortions. That's a lot of abortions. And even so, most states with restrictions, it doesn't even, uh, it doesn't even affect the most of the people that are, that are getting abortions. So I don't really see what the big deal is. I don't really see what the, 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 the fuss is from either side of the political aisle. But I do see that the history of eugenics and the history of um, human sacrifice and, and blood. I mean, whether it's abortion or it's communion, I mean, we're, we're not much divorced from the, from the old ancient world. We're not much divorced from, from those ancient days when uh, there was more mystery in things and everything was, uh, you know, seen through a superstitious lens. We, we do the same thing today. We're not, Christians are not better than, you know, other religions and Democrats are not better than Republicans and these are just labels we give ourselves to make ourselves feel better we're fighting for this cause or that cause I mean that's I'm Ryan Gable this is the secret teachings I hope that you appreciated tonight's show where you learned something or you understand where I'm coming from secretteachings.info is the website grab a copy of one of the books Occult Arcana I'd recommend tonight 
subscribe to our archive to get access to all the shows. They are monetized free in the subscriber archive. Early access to the show, private RSS feed, montages, my digital books, www.thesecretteachings.info. Remember, eating the bread, the bread is life, literally, but symbolically, it's the flesh. And Jesus said, you know, you got to eat his flesh. Said that in John, because his flesh, quote, is real food. And the blood is real drink. So the blood is real drink, but the blood as wine is also an intoxicating substance that it changes who you are. It's transformative, like water in the wine. Bread is life. Blood is life. The life force, blood, bread, communion, Eucharist. It's all pretty much the same thing, just for different meanings. I mean, look in the uh, the tradition of the Jiki Ketsugakai in, in Asia. It's a little mosquito. You know, it sucks your blood, but it does that to atone for its sins in another life. We all pretty much believe the exact same thing. It's time we uh, we, we drop our differences and, and, and recognize we all pretty much agree. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. We'll talk to you in the next broadcast.